was definitely a turnoff. Too overt. Look at her. Obviously big problems. I mean, most girls don't fly through the air with their skirt around their waist. Supergirl at least had the decency to wear tights. Not that I read comics. I'm more the politically, environmentally correct feminist poetry reading type. You know, boring. I wonder if she posed for that painting. Great perm. Blonde hair. Obvious bleach job. Too bad it's six months old. I don't know how she does it. I mean, I get airsick on a seesaw. I guess she's sort of beautiful. I don't know. Those lips. You know, lips are supposed to be a perfect reflection of another part of a woman's anatomy. Not that I'm a lesbian. Well, maybe I am. No, definitely not. I told my mother I was, just for shock value. She said, fine, just as long as you don't smoke. Welcome to So What's the Problem, where we rewatch a movie from today from our youth to determine if it's problematic by today's standards. I'm Jen. And I'm Jimmy. Today we'll be discussing Poison Ivy, which was released in the US on April 30th, 1982. And I have no dates for the UK and Ireland release. But I know it went straight to video here, so. It was written by Andy Rubin and Kat Shea Rubin, and it was directed by Kat Shea Rubin. It stars Tom Skerritt, Sarah, G- is it Sarah or Sarah Gilbert? Uh, I don't know, Sarah. Sarah Gilbert. Sarah? Yeah. I don't know, because it's not got an H in it. Well, Sarah usually has an H in it. Sarah usually... Sarah Gilbert. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Sarah. Cheryl Ladd and Drew Barrymore. It stars two um, talk show hosts. Yeah, that's true. And two angels. <laughs> Cheryl Ladd. Yeah, and exactly. Yeah. And so Drew Barrymore. Oh my goodness, so it does. Yeah. And a guy who was an alien. And the guy who was what? An alien. I'm scared it was oh, an alien. I saw that once. I don't remember it very well. <laughs> uh, Jimmy and I have each thought of uh, three problems movie has. And uh, by the end of this episode, we'll have both thought of one positive. Although I'm not quite ready for that. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> and the synopsis is Ivy, an orphan teenager, ingratiates herself into a troubled household of a rich fellow student. Soon she begins to wreak havoc, plotting against the family's happiness, which includes banging the father and killing the mother. <laughs> Nice, classy. I would have gone with boinking. <laughs> boinking. Guess what? But I added to that synopsis. I don't know. I don't know what that could possibly have been. <laughs> so your your history with this? What is it? Um, I don't remember the first time I saw it, but I'm going to assume it was maybe when I was in middle school or something. I don't know. It came out when I was ten. Um, oh, and as Jesus. I've mentioned before, uh. I looked like Drew Barrymore when I was a kid, and so I had a fascination with mm-hmm. Drew Barrymore. She was the first actress whose name I knew and everything. And, um, right. So I, wa- I wanted to watch everything she was in. And it's so funny because the year after this, that Amy Fisher movie that she did came out. Um, it was a yeah. TV movie. 
Um, which, by the way, I finally watched on YouTube last year. I don't remember anything about it, but I watched on YouTube. And it's this thing I do sometimes where it's like, if my parents didn't allow me to do something, I'll do it as an adult, like to satisfy my inner child. So even though I was like 39 when I watched it, it it felt like a rebellious thing to be watching this movie. They wouldn't let me watch. Yeah, and they wouldn't let me watch it. But I couldn't have watched Poison Ivy that long after that came out. And Mm-hmm. This is this isn't any better <laughs> as far as content. So, um, but I just yeah. remember watching it a lot, and because uh, I like these kinds of stupid thrillers, um, where they can never stick the landing, and uh, yeah, and then yeah. I it was the first thing I thought of when we started this podcast because the first one we did was Crush, and the Crush yeah. made me think of this, but I didn't. We couldn't do two movies so similar back to back. Yeah, it also made you think, and me, think of another movie that we haven't covered yet that we're going to have to do at some point. It's kind of like the reverse what? of this. Fear. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> we've, we've been saying it since we started that we're going to have to do Fear at some point. And that one has Alyssa Milano in it, who is in Poison Ivy 2. That's true, yeah. Oh, and she also played Amy Fisher on a TV movie that aired the same night as Drew Barrymore's Amy Fisher movie. So she did. What's your history? Uh, th- I was 15 when this came out, uh, and my friend was a horned dog and really <laughs> wanted to watch it, so we watched it. Um, <laughs> uh, this and a movie called The Lover, which is very sort of racy and uh, has far more nudity than this did, and it was a bit of a culture shock watching this sort of sleazy, sort of cheesy um, American movie and then watching a French movie it was completely different. We watched it in VHS, and I've seen it like twice since or something. So that's that's about it. I I, I don't I don't I'm not a huge fan of it. Mm-hmm. It's just there. It exists as a movie, um, but we'll get into it. Uh, I don't hate it. So it's you know. it's funny because uh, when I saw it when I was young, it's like Sarah Gilbert and Drew Barrymore seem so old to me and mature, mm-hmm. and then I watch it now, and I'm like they're babies they were both 17 when this movie was made they are babies i know they look so young i know they're crazy and tom scarrett is so much older yeah what are you drinking uh a cherry coke zero yes i love cherry coke zero i've got loads of that in the fridge That's, that's dylan's drink i and it sucks like i was off soda for years and then Xander started mm. drinking Sprite, so occasionally I grab a Sprite, and I'm just drinking soda every day. <laughs> I hate it. I need to stop. I know. I know. I've actually lost weight recently. Um, I've lost... Uh, I don't know how many pounds is in a stone, but I've lost a stone. And that's good. But I'm still drinking just, like, fizzy drink mm-hmm. like that. But it's that one I'm drinking. It's, like, no cola. Uh, no cola. It has to be cola in it. It's cola. Uh, there's no sugar in it. Mm-hmm. I always drink that. It's still not great for you, yeah. but it's better than actual sugar stuff. So Yeah, we always get the zero around it, the Sprite zero and everything like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same here. Uh, so we'll just go into your first problem then. What is it? It's hard to decide. Um, I'll just go with uh, when we meet Ivy, she mercy kills a dog and... Uh, I still don't know what I'm supposed to think about that. Like, what do they want me to think about that? Yeah. Not just think about that, but think about the fact that Sylvie then becomes friends with her after witnessing that. 
yeah, my my first problem is related to the dog as well. <laughs> okay. But it's not the same one. But yeah, it's like, what? Because she just sort of kind of shrugs it off. Mm-hmm. And while she is kind of doing a good thing, it's just the way she does it. And it's just sort of like the nonchalant way she does it and doesn't really, she doesn't seem to care. Mm-hmm. But then we see later on that she gives a shit about Fred, I don't, the other dog. I don't think she gives a shit about Fred. Well, she kind of. I think what she cares about is taking Fred away like from Sylvie. I don't think she actually cares about the dog. I think she's being manipulated. Yeah, true. True. Well, she just hates dogs. But then that goes into my first problem, which is, we really have to see the dog guts. Like, we know the dog was dying, so we have to see his guts hanging out. That wasn't very nice. It's like Cat Shea has got something against dogs. Because there's dogs in this, and then there's uh, the Rage Carry too. The dog gets hit by the truck. Okay, I... Cat Shea just seems to... I didn't look to see what else she'd done, and I kept thinking, I know that name, I know that name, I know that name. And it's because she directed Carrie too. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's what it was. So I think she has something against dogs. Maybe because her name's Cat. Um, but I'm yeah. sure that's exactly it. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know what you're what you're supposed to think about that. Because it's like it does set up the fact that there is something wrong with Ivy. Mm-hmm. I think it also is supposed to show that maybe Sylvie is just so desperate for a friend mm-hmm. that she's just like, okay, you mercy killed this dog. Um, I'm clearly upset with you, but in the next scene, I'm going to be fine because you have a yeah. cool tattoo. It's like, I, I get that it's supposed to show us there's a darkness in Ivy, but mm. I just feel like there's something more I'm expected to get from that, and I don't know what it is. Yeah. Oh, by the way, I wanted to mention before I forgot... Because um, obviously my last pick was a Drew Barrymore movie um, from a few years later. Yeah. And um, I commented on her super thin 90s eyebrows. And in this movie, she had some mm-hmm. nice thicker eyebrows. And yeah. it, it suited her face better. Uh, there was just one scene yeah. where there was a close-up of her face. And I was like, look at those eyebrows. And I was like, ooh, I remember those eyebrows from a few weeks ago. It was <laughs> awful. So I just wanted to compliment her eyebrows. Yeah. Just as long as your next pick isn't also a Drew Barrymore movie. Well, no, I want it Just to so you can track the eyebrows. Let's, let's do some Never Been Kissed. Look at her eyebrows. Talk about some <laughs> inappropriate student-teacher relationships. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, it's just straight into your second problem then, because I've said mine as well. It's my first one, so carry on. This is a problem that I wouldn't have had until the past year, because I didn't know anything. But um, I have a problem with the price of the tattoo, because... <laughs> Right. You know, and it's this was at a time where tattoos were more like forbidden and like it was weird if people had tattoos, especially teens, right? Mm-hmm. Like they were they were illegal here. You had to drive to another state to get a tattoo back then. Oh really? Yeah. Um I think it's only become legal here in the past like twenty years or so. Um I don't remember exactly when it became legal in, in Oklahoma. But um I have you know, I always said I'd never get a tattoo. Then the last couple of years, I've kind of thought about it. And I, I'm a pain wuss, mm-hmm. so I figured if I got a tattoo, I'd start with something small. And so I started yeah. pricing tattoos. And just to get, like, a tiny tattoo is, like, 50 bucks. Like, unless you mm-hmm. get a flash sale or something, like, you're going to be paying at least $50 for an incredibly basic, tiny, black tattoo, right? And she's getting yeah. this, like, colorful cross 
He charges her $40. You know I used my inflation calculator. Yeah. In today's money, that would be $80.16. There is no way. No. No way. Like, even if he was just a super cheap tattoo artist or something, for a tattoo that big, there's no way. Only $40. And... That bugs like because I have a lot of friends with tattoos and they talk about how expensive they are and it is yeah. I I didn't even know how much they were until <laughs> I had a friend complaining about her sister in law uh, who was always complaining about money problems and then getting tattoos and she was like yeah and they're like two three hundred dollars every time she gets them and I was like really like I had no clue so uh, yeah I I I don't know if they did any research on the cost of tattoos or anything but they probably should have unless i'm wrong about the price of tattoos in the early 90s yeah well and and i'm just thinking like so much of what they're showing us um with things like with the tattoo is that sylvie is um bankrolling ivy's shopping and everything and so it would honestly work better if it was more expensive because it just shows even further how she's taking advantage of her yeah Absolutely. By the way, this morning, um, I had trouble getting up. I was going to get up at nine to watch this movie. I didn't get out of bed till almost 1130. And uh, it actually worked out really well because I only finished uh, the movie 20 minutes before we got on this call. So it's as fresh as it can well, that's be. that's good. And I wasn't late for once. Uh, a couple of minutes, but we wouldn't argue with that. It's because I was hugging my kid. I stopped to hug my kid. <laughs> that's That's acceptable. And I wasn't late either. Sometimes I'm late as well. It's not always you, Jay. Um, my second problem is the stuff of the dad is boring. Like all the stuff of the dad that he's worked, yeah, and talking to his friend in the elevator, and maybe losing his job, and I don't give a shit. Yeah, I don't really. That I also don't understand the point of that. Like, is it supposed to be that like his life is sucking right now, so he's even more vulnerable, or what? Like, I don't. I understand that they want. Are we supposed to sympathize with him? Like, they want the party to be super important, but they could do that without yeah. having that whole storyline. I don't, yeah, I don't understand. Um, at the end of the day, he gets away with it. <laughs> he, he, he gets away. I mean, we don't see what happens at the yeah. end between, like, Sylvia and her dad, mm -hmm. but with Ivy dead, he got away with sleeping with a 17-year-old. Well, I mean, understand it wasn't his fault. She was manipulative, and, and she tricked yeah, him. Yeah, exactly. So. He didn't, yeah. you know, it's, mm -hmm. he was a victim. That's why I hate movies like this. <laughs> Cause it's, it's some of, the, some of the times the morals are kind of skewed. Yeah. Make your thriller. That's fair enough. Right. But all Ivy, I, I'm, I'm going to say something stupid here. Right. But all Ivy does is kill the mum. If she did other things as well, mm -hmm. then, you know, make her, make Ivy worse. Make it more thrilling. You know, mm. make her do other things. I mean, she blames the car crash on Sylvie, mm. but that happens in the third act. That's right at the end of the movie. That is, he discovers the re the truth about that in the very next scene. Mm -hmm. Maybe make that happen earlier, or make her do something else. Well, it's the sorry, but make her kill the dog. The do something. The stuff that she was doing, it was more. Um, she was doing more subtle stuff. Like, I mean. The way she was trying to get the father interested in her and like, which yeah. we've talked about this before. I'm sure we talked about with a crush, the like idea that it's like that Lolita thing where, um, yeah, which 
Lolita was a victim. But people read Lolita thinking, like, because it's from uh, Humbert Humbert's perspective. And yes. he wants you to think that Lolita seduced him and that he had no choice. And that's how these mm-hmm. movies present these teen girls. And that's yeah. not how it happens. Like, the the premise of the movie came from, like, one of the producers had a friend or something who, uh, like, mm-hmm. a, her friend came and um, was basically living with them and she seduced the stepfather and I'm like, mm-hmm. did she seduce the stepfather or did the stepfather groom her and take advantage because she was a teenager? Like, yeah. that's, that's not how this works. Yeah. Um, a lot of blame gets put on the teenage girl in these movies. Yeah, yeah. The crush did that as well. It was all Darian's fault. Mm. And they thought that they made Nick out to be the victim in that. But then he also kissed her back. Which is wrong. If he didn't kiss her back, then I would have been on Nick's side mm-hmm. that entire movie in the crush. Um, but here, this guy is just horny, mm-hmm. and um, he just wants to bang a seventeen-year-old and everything. He's just making excuses, but he wants to do it. I just really am curious about the filmmaker's intentions because it's like he, you know, in my opinion, obviously he sucks because he like mm-hmm. sleeps with a seventeen-year-old. Right after his wife dies. Yeah, but I get the feeling the movie wants me to feel bad for him because Ivy's, like, trying to look like his wife that he's so in love with mm-hmm. and, try like, manipulating him or whatever. And I'm like, what do they What do they want me to think about him? Because I know what I think about him, and I know what it seems like, but I'm like, can they really be trying to mm-hmm. make me feel bad for this guy? Um, I don't, like, I don't know if I'm reading too much into it or if they just had really shitty intentions because it was 1992 yeah but that's the problem with the movie is also the marketing because it's kind of marketed as like an erotic thriller Mm. like a teenage fatal attraction partly that's what it was marketed as as well and um but the movie it's much more depressing than that it's quite a depressing movie Mm. i wouldn't even say it's really a thriller it's more like a it's a drama about classism yeah (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> Ivy is poor and an orphan and from the wrong side of the tracks. And Ivy's not even a real name, probably. Um, and yeah, definitely, yeah. And Sylvie is rich because she's got a rich dad. And but then it's just so there's no joy to this movie. There's nothing like at least with the crush, there was some sort of campiness to mm-hmm. it, and it was sort of it was fun in its own ridiculous, stupid fucking way. This movie has no real camp to it. It's taken itself far too seriously. Mm-hmm. And I think it sort of fails in the sort of erotic thriller. I don't know if it's supposed to be that, but it's, it fails anyway because it's not It's not thrilling enough. It's just far too depressing and bleak. Well, it's it's about <laughs> class, but it's also it also shows you that like teenagers can be sad and lonely no matter what their situation because th- it's mm-hmm. these two girls who are friendless. And are just kind yeah. of different from other kids. And, and I'm really curious what other scenes they had at like the school or whatever. Cause, you know, not that he had any lines, but Leonardo DiCaprio, I guess, got cut out of the movie. Um, which means there was at least one more scene with other teens. And I would have liked to see a little bit more yeah. of that. Kind of like in the craft, you get to see a lot of like them not fitting in at school and like what makes them so yeah. different. 
And I, I would have liked a little more of that. Um, at a certain point, the movie seems to forget they're even in school. And also, last week we were talking about abrupt endings with Roadhouse. Mm-hmm. This movie ends abruptly. Well, are you trying to get into my third problem? I didn't think you would do it twice in a I row. Forgot I did carry. it last week. I knew I did it recently, <laughs> but I couldn't remember what I did. I couldn't remember what I did it for. But yeah, I literally have abrupt yeah. ending here. And I'll tell you what, I have something here on a. Okay, it's some trivia from IMDb. Um, Sarah Gilbert was called back after shooting, had finished to do the very last voiceover after Ivy had fallen to her death. The line, I still think about her, I guess still love her, she might have been even more alone than I was, was thought up on the spot. The crew didn't like the line, and one even said, what the fuck, are you kidding me? She would never say she still loves Ivy. However, director Kat Shea insisted, it's what the character of Sylvia would have said. And it's like, I'd be okay with her saying that if there was a little more to the ending. But that's like what she says, and then it's over. Like, there's, there's, and that's the thing about these kinds of thrillers. Like, I love, I love the genre of these shitty thrillers, but it's like, there's never a good way to end them. Like, I can't even blame the filmmakers because I feel like it's really hard to do a good ending to this kind of story, like an ending that's satisfying. And so they always seem like they end either really abruptly or maybe like a little, sometimes even too happy. Like, there's, did you ever see that? Um, I forget what it was called, but it was a Lifetime um, movie with Kristen Wiig and Will Ferrell. I haven't seen it, but I, I know what I know what it is. Okay, yeah. well, it's genius, and um, like they play the whole thing straight. Like they're both huge fans of mm-hmm. Lifetime movies, so they legit were just mm-hmm. doing a Lifetime movie. But the ending is like they're in the kitchen and they're really happy and they're laughing and it was so cheesy and over the top and it's like that's I I hate it when they end like that and sometimes they end like that. But yeah. and whenever I see these kind of thrillers, I'm also including made for TV movies because this is along those right. lines. Um, the only difference yeah. is there's like more cursing and nudity, you know. Um. <laughs> But they can never, they can never stick the landing because, and I don't know what it, what is it about this genre where like, it's impossible to come up with a good ending. Yeah, there's a lot of cursing in there. Sarah Gilbert says "fuck you" to everybody in this movie, even the dog. She's really mean to that dog. Like, even though I'm mad that uh, that Ivy is manipulating the dog and everything, I'm kind of like, go to Ivy because uh, Sylvie's talking to you really shitty. She calls him an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> My third problem is the music. I knew it. The music? I knew it. <laughs> I had cheesy music written on my paper and I was like, he's going to do that. I don't need to do that. <laughs> the music is very soap opera Yeah. It's, it's very sort of cheesy and especially during like, the dramatic scenes. Mm-hmm. Like the music when she kills the mum is terrible. Mm-hmm. It's, like, it's like the ending cliffhanger to a soap opera episode. It's just so ridiculous. Um, or the car crash and stuff like that. Uh, it's horrible. But like David Michael Frank, who scored this, also he he to me he's mostly known as an action movie composer because he did a lot of Steven Seagal's early movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and his music there is actually quite good. But he also scored the music to the nineteen ninety five Babysitters Club movie. Yeah, I have that soundtrack. I mean, it's not the score, but the soundtrack is a good soundtrack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It has letters to Cleo and Ben yeah, Lee on we, it. I liked it. Yeah. It was the first time I ever heard of Ben Lee. Um, so he scored that as well. Cool. Um, yeah. I don't like the music. Terrible. <laughs> and there aren't many songs. There's nothing I can put in the, the Spotify playlist. It's annoying. I 
hate it. <laughs> yeah, the music and and you know me, I no. rarely comment on score, but it it was extra no, bad no. here. And but it's so yeah. funny. Like I was just thinking about how when I was younger, I don't think I recognized how cheesy it was. And it's like sometimes I watch a movie like this, and I'm like, did it? Did it? The movie seem better then because I was a kid and didn't know any better, or did the mm-hmm. movie seem better then because it was 1992 and it was better because it was 1992? And film has just changed so much that it just—not that it was ever a great movie, but that like maybe it's a little worse in comparison to what we've had over the last 30 years. Do you know what I mean? Like it's like those comedies, yeah, it's like the comedies in the 80s. Like there are some that. Um, I mean, they're very funny and, you know, they were brilliant in the 80s and then you watch them now and you're like, it, it could be better, you know? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I think that way about comedies of today, but... <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like... But, um, no, I get what you mean. Yeah, like, I mean, it's like, if you watch Halloween... That's pretty standard mm-hmm. for the time, right? Like, mm-hmm. and then you watch it now, especially comparing it to new Halloween movies, and it's like that movie is so slow and boring. Like, mm-hmm. I I like Halloween, but it is slow and boring. I don't think it's boring. I think it's paced well enough because I think it uh, it's got a, a good sort of tension to it because you're seeing things from like Michael's point of view, and it's like the view of the killer and stuff. And I like that. I like all that stuff. I think a lot of Especially Halloween Kills was so violent. But I, I think the reason that people like Halloween Kills is because it was violent. But Halloween Kills is shit because nothing really happens in it. It's just like the middle movie of a trilogy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's just there. Just They get rid of Halloween 2 in this timeline, which I don't think they should have done. Mm-hmm. They should have kept Halloween 2 in this timeline. Because then at least we have more sort of history bet- between um, Michael Myers and Laurie Strode. Mm-hmm. Because as it is, he's he's just he's just there. Yeah. He's just back in Haddonfield, and there's just nothing really to put Laurie Strode in the. Now there is, because you know what happens to her daughter in Halloween Kills. Spoilers, she dies. Uh, but I'm, yeah, I'm still not over it. I don't know. I can't talk about that. Um, no, but like just thinking about the difference between like movies of the same genre over time, like one of the reasons why Halloween seems kind of boring to me is like if you watch the new Halloween, like the first one in this this new trilogy, yeah. there is an awesome scene that just shows Michael Myers like going through house to house and just killing people. Yeah. And it's like it's it's all these deaths and it's it's like so hardcore. And then you watch the original Halloween and there's hardly any deaths. And there's just, there's a lot of time of like Lori talking to children. You know what I mean? Like, and I'm not saying it's bad and it's definitely, but it's like it play, it, it played different in a time when maybe you'd seen different movies. You know what I mean? It's like Poison Ivy. I think it might have played better in 92. Yeah. Whereas like now cinema's changed mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. uh, even the genre has, you know, improved a little. Yeah. Like, I, I don't think my, my viewing of it, like, the qual- my, my thought of the quality of it um, is just because of my age difference between then and now. Has the genre changed? Like, uh, there aren't that many erotic fillers these days anyway, or movies of this ilk. There aren't really that many. You know, I think part of the problem with this movie is that... 
and maybe I'm completely wrong. Maybe I'm telling. I don't listen to commentaries for these kinds of movies. Like, uh, what was the one with Beyonce and Ali Lar- Larder? Oh, I can't you know, remember. It's been but almost twenty years since then. But like those kind of movies. Like, I respect that Cat Shea was trying to make. Like, she was trying to do a teen fatal attraction, and she was trying to prove that it could be a good artistic movie. Yeah, that's what she was going for, and I get that. But I feel like. Since then, when people make these kind of movies, um, like the one I was talking about, I don't remember the name of, they seem to get the campiness and the cheesiness. Yeah. And I think that's something that, um, and, you know, once again, I can't come up with as many examples as I would like right now <laughs> of, of this genre, but it feels like when I have seen them, the filmmakers know better, like, what you want from it and what people mm-hmm. think of the genre. Whereas this movie is just mm. taking itself so seriously. Yeah. The most recent one I can remember is The Boy Next Door. Oh, yeah. With uh, Jennifer Yeah, I never Lopez. saw that. I wanted to see it. Yeah. yeah. That's the most recent one I remember. And it's reversed, obviously, because it's a woman, an older woman and a, a teenage boy. And it's and, and that is sort of over-the-top garbage. Uh, that that movie knows what it's doing. <laughs> obsessed that's the yeah, i, that's I the had to find it like what's really frustrating to me about not knowing the name of that is i just watched the office episode where um that <clears> movie <throat> is referenced and michael scott has the famous quote where he says i am beyonce always um <laughs> so like i just it's probably why it popped into my head because i just heard it referenced <clears throat> why do i not remember that but like i remember watching that movie and it seemed like they knew they knew it was yeah. what people think and yeah i'm I'm realizing I haven't watched as many of the recent ones. I'm seeing uh, the root, and I say recent; these all seem like they were from ten or more years ago. There's one called The Roommate, yeah, The Stepfather. I felt kind of knew how cheesy it was. Um, the new one. I didn't like that one. I, I, I yeah, I prefer the. Original. I like the original. Hedio Quinn rocks in the original. Disturbia was good. I don't remember the ending, but I remember really liking Disturbia. Yeah, Disturbia was quite good. Well, some of these are just. On a different level, like Ma. Did you ever see Ma? I did. Yeah, that's like that movie knows exactly what it is. That movie. <laughs> that was a good like for this genre. Like, yeah, that was one of the yeah. better ones. I'm just looking at what IMDb is recommending to me based on Obsessed, and it's like, ooh, I want to watch Single White Female. <laughs> have you never seen Single White Female? I have, but I it's been a while. I've only seen it once though. And one thing yeah, we're gonna yeah. have to do at some point is Hand the Rocks the Cradle. Yeah, yeah, it's on the list. Yeah. Yeah, but I don't think we'll ever do something like Single White Female. Though. I don't even remember how old um, I was when I finally saw Single White Female. I don't think, I don't think I. Qual- I was I was ninety two, so I would have been. I think it was the same year as this, so I would have okay, been. You're the only one who could pick it because I think I was past my teens when I finally saw it. Yeah, um, I would pick it. But yeah, it it watching Poison Ivy though is. It did make me want to watch more movies like this. Like this, this used to be my jam, and <laughs> but it's also like. I used to watch a lot of made-for-TV movies, and I don't any. And mm-hmm. now it's changed so much because, like, I'm sure Lifetime still does those, but now yeah. you've got um, like movies that in the past would have just been like a two-hour Lifetime movie are now like mm-hmm. Hulu limited series, right? Like the one I forget yeah. the name of it, but the one with Elle Fanning uh, that was about the girl who got her boyfriend to commit suicide. Um, uh, right, like yeah. that's the kind of thing Lifetime would have done in the nineties, and it would have been a two-hour movie, and this was like a six-part series mm-hmm. or something, and yeah, and it's made by like 
more quality filmmakers and it's not churned out in like two weeks and so it's actually just good and (laughs) i like that i i enjoy watching quality television but sometimes i miss the kind of badness and the kind of subpar tv actors they might get it's i don't i don't think it's a good movie but i do kind of recommend that you watch the boy next door with j-lo then because that that might scratch your I do want to scratch your itch for these type of movies because it is really quite sort of cheesy and ridiculous and it knows exactly what it's doing. It's you know it's <laughs> it's kind of like a homage. It's it part of my problem with not having seen as many of these movies in recent years is that the way we do entertainment is the way we view entertainment mm-hmm. is so different now because those were the kind of movies that like maybe I'd wake up on a Sunday morning, curl up on the couch, and flip through the channels. And catch it on mm-hmm. TV, but you don't yeah. randomly watch things anymore. You know what I mean? Like, mm. it's so much more deliberate. Like, you, ev- even if you're just, I mean, I guess browsing on an app is kind of the same as flipping tr- through channels, but you flip through yeah. channels, you're like, I have to make this decision right now. Am I watching this or mm-hmm. not? Because this movie is just now starting and it's going to be over in two hours and, you know, whatever. But, you know, if you see something you kind yeah. of want to watch on, like, Netflix, you're like, well, I can come back literally anytime. I know. I kind of miss those days. I do, too. I do, too. <laughs> but I I don't even have cable anymore. I don't – I have no way to be no. flipping through the channels. I miss little things like that. It's it's why I listen to the radio, um, mm-hmm. because I like the idea that I don't get to choose – like, I have several radio stations programmed in my car, so I can pick a different station if I don't like the song, but – I'm very limited in what I can listen to. I had a, I, my car was in the shop for about a month recently and I had a rental car and it was cool that it, it had, it was Bluetooth radio. Like I could use, I could listen to podcasts in the car and stuff, but then mm-hmm. like I missed the rate. Like I have to be forced to listen to the, ra- like it, it was like if I had another yeah. option, I was going to take it. But when I'm in my car, that's my option is to listen to the radio. And it's kind of mm-hmm. nice. It's like the only way I know about new music and it's, uh, yeah. I I I think we need more limited options. I feel like we yeah. we have too many options. We do, we do. We're spoiled for choice these days. Yeah, it's although given all this stuff that's happening on HBO Max now, it's oh. kind of like uh, a lot of things might go missing. <laughs> things might get cancelled, and uh, yeah, I feel so bad for the people who made Bad Girl, like all those people that worked on it. It couldn't have been that bad. Warner Bros. has released terrible, terrible movies. It can't be that bad. Fuck this new, this new regime bullshit. I don't care. Just release the fucking thing. They just did this for a tax break. Like, it's, it's probably not even that bad. No, I know. And people also seem to forget that it wasn't just Batgirl that got dumped. It was also a new Scooby-Doo movie that was nearly finished. Mm -hmm. It was in post-production. So everything was animated and all that, and they've just ditched it because it was coming out for October mm-hmm. for Halloween because it was a Halloween themed movie, and people seem to forget that because they want to say, "Oh, Batgirl was rubbish. Batgirl was bad." But you know, I don't think it, it, there's no way it would have to have been the worst movie in the world. It would have to have been like the Room style mm-hmm. for it to have been, you know, scrapped yeah. or birdemic. 
you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It has to be that terrible for it to be scrapped. There's no fucking way it was that bad. And even then, just release it anyway, because then people could just point and laugh at it. Well, and it had Michael Keaton's Batman. People would pay to see Michael Keaton's Batman. Exactly. Like, yeah. good or bad, it would have made money just because of that, I'm sure. Yeah. And Brendan Fraser was the bad guy. Come on. We're going through this whole thing where everybody's obsessed with him. Like, I know. people who would have, who hate the superhero genre who would have gone to see it just because they want to support him because they love him so much um that's fucking crazy it is it is ridiculous leave all this in because i'm mad i'm mad about this hbo max no i'm leaving it in i'm leaving it in. well and dylan explained to me i forget exactly how but this is also connected to the cw thing where like the cw canceled almost all their shows and it was mm-hmm. like because of of a some sort of merger or something where um CW was making their money off foreign sales, so their shows weren't really getting good ratings in the US, but they were making mm-hmm. a ton of money selling them to like Netflix or whatever in other countries. Yeah. And then something changed where they didn't have that deal anymore and they just canceled everything. Um, except for like mm, some of their Arrowverse shows. The Flash is the only one left. Is is the Flash the only one and left? That- yeah, and that's ended next next season. And because CW, they hadn't been really canceling much at all for years. Yeah, and, um, it was just like such a bummer when I found out they slaughtered their whole schedule. <laughs> like I didn't even watch most of those shows, but I felt bad for them. I know <sighs> they're keeping stuff like the Walker Texas Ranger reboot, and yeah. uh, and that's getting a that's getting a spin off, and it's like. That's kind of what they want to do now. That's, I think they're trying to stay grounded now with those sort of shows, but yeah, that's a shame. I gave up an Arrowverse long ago, though. <laughs> the, I just, but I did watch it for a while. It sucks seeing what the business side of things does to entertainment. Mm-hmm. I know. It, like, I understand it's, you know, it's capitalism, it's a whole thing, but it sucks. Especially mm-hmm. because, like, so many people work on these things. And for yeah. the, the idea of something never seeing the light of day because of a tax break, it just makes me sad. Yeah, no. And of course, it's a female superhero that's going to get hurt. Of course, it is. I mean, if they released it on DVD or Blu-ray, I think sales would be good. Yeah, I think they would make money back on it. Definitely do. The whole movie's disappearing from HBO Max, which doesn't affect me uh, because we don't have HBO Max. Mm-hmm. But movies disappearing from there is like, that's why I have uh, Blu-rays. That's why I'm still yeah. buying physical media. Because not everything I like, as a horror fan, not everything I like is available on streaming. So mm-hmm. I'm buying. I, as I said last week, I bought a, a region-free Blu-ray player so I could buy The Blob. Because The Blob is not available to watch on streaming in the UK and it's not v- available in Blu-ray in the UK. And it's ridiculous. And I'm waiting... Ten years for that fucking thing to come out. It has not come out, so I bought a remote region player for it. Well, and what we didn't, we haven't even talked about yet in this episode is the fact that Poison Ivy wasn't available anywhere. Like it wasn't available mm-hmm. on any streaming site. I always check the Apple TV app um, for movies yeah. because it'll show me what apps it's available on, and the movie didn't mm-hmm. even come up in it. Like you can't even pay to yeah. rent it. And when I went to look at the DVD, it was out of print, and the cheapest copy was mm-hmm. thirty dollars. And we ha- yeah. we had to to get the movie in uh, less legal ways, and mm-hmm. that's a bummer. That's <laughs> a bummer, yeah, yeah. It makes me sad that not all movies are available. I know, 
I do like to watch them legally for this. I don't like downloading things. Like I don't that. either. I really hate it. Yeah. Um. But uh, but sometimes we have to. Yeah. What is your positive? Before one. You know, this movie is a tough one because I actually do enjoy watching it. It's not a good right. movie, but I like it. Mm. But coming up with a positive was really hard. Enjoy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I like it. I don't know. Because um, it's not like I think, it's like, I don't think the acting is terrible, but I don't think it's amazing. You know what I mean? Like, the there's, yeah. there's stuff, there's lots of stuff about it where it's like, it's fine. Um, So I guess I'll just say maybe the aesthetic. Right. I like, I mean, Kat Shea wanted to make a good looking teen fatal attraction and i think it does like mm-hmm. it's it's very moody it feels like it's about to rain every second yeah and it's an, it's an aesthetic that i feel like a lot of there were quite a few movies in the like early to mid 90s that kind of had that um for some reason fox fire is one that comes to mind and then even like the craft is kind of like that um mm-hmm. although here like the colors are even more muted and stuff um yeah so i just i don't know I guess the aesthetic, like I think it looks good. There's some some well directed stuff in it. I mean, the car crash scene is very very well done. Um, when it's in slow motion mm-hmm. and you see them in the back, and you can tell it's actresses that are actually you know getting thrown back and stuff. Then you've got something like when the mum is killed and she's fallen down and it's like white flashes. Mm-hmm. Um, you see Ivy look down and it's white flashes and it's like what the fuck is that? That's not very good. But there is still some. I like when. Um, Sylvie's escaping the hospital. Mm-hmm. There's some well shot stuff there. Yeah. No, this I feel like Kat Shea accomplished what she was trying to do with this movie. Like yeah, I yeah. I've criticized her a little, but I feel like she I mean, I respect the hell out of like what she was trying to do. And I feel like mm-hmm. she did it. It's just not necessarily working completely for me. Um but speaking of the death scene of the mom sitting here watching it and I'm just like, oh God, this is cheesy. And then all of a sudden I hear laughter behind me and Dylan had come in to talk to me and he was in the doorway and he sees that. And he's like, oh, this is such a bad movie. Like that was, that was like probably the worst part for him to walk in on. If I, if I had wanted yeah. him to like, if I would have been upset if he said anything bad about it, um, but I didn't mind, but it was just like, that was just like the worst moment for him to come in. It's not a good movie. Dude. I know. It's no, I know it's not a terrible a good movie. movie, but it's it's not it's not, but I do appreciate what she did. She did it. It is well directed, apart from the bit with the mum dying. Mm-hmm. I don't like that. The white flashes. That's weird. But there's some good stuff in there that I really like from a filmmaker's standpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually do like a lot. Of, not a lot of that. I do like one performance in particular, and that is my positive. And I've picked Sarah Gilbert. Okay. Because I think. There is obviously shades of Darlene Connor yeah. there with the smart arseness and everything. Mm-hmm. But I do think she that like the scene with the dog at the beginning mm-hmm. where she's just sort of looking at Ivy, like, what the fuck did you just do? Sort of looking at her face and tears streaming down her eyes. And then later on, I just think she's good in this. I think she's uh she's better than you you would expect her to be, given that she's a sitcom actress. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was still doing the sitcom at the same time as this. Yeah. But yeah, I, I, I like her in this. She should have been a bigger good. actress. I think it's probably because yeah. she didn't quite fit the Hollywood mold. But she has no, that She has that same kind of thing um, Daria has. And I think that Hollywood doesn't understand how many people enjoy that kind of character. Mm-hmm. I know. Because um, when I talk to people about Roseanne now... 
I mean, Darlene's the one everybody loved. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, especially like, you know, I'm obviously talking to people in my generation. And it's like, if you were watching a teen, if you were watching it when you were a teenager, like Darlene's who you who you are going to want to be like, and who you really really absolutely. See, the reason I watched this movie in um, 92. She's the reason why I watched it because I was a fan of Roseanne and I liked I liked Darlene. I probably didn't recognize Drew Barrymore because as as we've established before, uh, I didn't see ET until later, mm-hmm. and I didn't really know. I knew who Drew Barrymore was, but I don't think I knew who Drew Barrymore was at seventeen mm-hmm. when she was seventeen. I knew her as a kid because uh, I'd only seen ET like fairly recently to that point. So, you know, it was a weird sort of time thing going there. But I, I, I definitely watched it for her. Um, my friend watched it for Drew Barrymore and for the erotic thrillerness of it, <laughs> uh, based on the trailer. Um, but yeah, I, I think she's, I think she's good in this. And, uh, but yeah, Cheryl Ladd kind of chooses scenery a little bit mm-hmm. in this movie. Uh, do they do they say what illness the mum has? Emphysema. Right. Okay. Right. Yeah. I don't know what that's like, so I don't know if she's acting it well or not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Um. But you you after you mentioned that uh, Kat Shea did the Rage, Carrie too. <laughs> I looked at her filmography, and it makes me so sad. Like, because I, I was reading about her, and she was having trouble getting another job after this. She'd worked for Roger Corman mm-hmm. before this. And she pitched movies and got paid to write scripts and stuff, but nothing happened. And she ended up having to go back to Roger Corman. And it's mm-hmm. like, then she did The Rage. She did a TV, a couple TV movies. And there's a gap in her resume mm-hmm. from 2001 and 2019. And it's like, Carrie 2 and Poison Ivy aren't the best movies in the world, but they're well directed. Like, I, I think she did yeah. a very good job as a filmmaker. And then I'm looking and um, one of the only things she's done in recent years is Nancy Drew and The Hidden Staircase. And you yeah. know what? That is a good movie. Mm. No one saw it? it. No one talks about <laughs> it. There's a Nancy Drew show that came on like right after that. So like it's already been forgotten yeah. in the Nancy Drew world. But it had that girl from the It movies. Yeah, yeah. And Sophia something. It had I felt she had a very Veronica Mars vibe. Right. Like the character. Like it was obviously like mm-hmm. a kid's movie, so it wasn't dark like Veronica Mars. But like I remember watching it and being yeah. like, This feels a little Veronica Marsy to me. And I'm just like, Kat Shaney's a better career than she has, I think. Yeah. Right, a couple of quick notes. Um and something that we were talking about earlier with the, the end of narration when the movie just ends quickly. I know that the narration's about Ivy, but it could also be about her mother. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't necessarily have to be about Ivy because she doesn't mention Ivy. She doesn't say her name. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you look at it as the narrations about her mother, but it's sort of open. Is it? Is she talking about Ivy? Is she talking about her mother? I do like um, Ivy pretends. Ivy tells Sylvie to pretend that she's her mother, uh, so Sylvie can say things that she wouldn't, that she didn't say to her mum. Right? Mm-hmm. They're lying in bed together, and I actually think that is quite sweet. I mean, I know it's like Ivy manipulating her and like she's wanting to be her mother. Mm-hmm. You know, she's trying to replace her mum because she's already killed her mum. But I think Sylvie needed that. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I think Sylvie needed to do that. She needed to have that conversation. So from that point of view, I think that was kind of sweet, as manipulative as it was. Mm-hmm. 
the original ending actually had Ivy survive, mm-hmm. and uh, and we see her hitchhiking at the end. Uh, I I assume to maybe go and break up another family. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I did read that the studio um they well it's like they wanted her to be punished. They didn't want her to get away with it, but then later they they wanted Cat Shay to uh revive Ivy for more movies, and she said no, yeah. and apparently she regrets that now. But why doesn't the dad get punished? Um, because white men don't get punished. <laughs> yeah, he's a victim. Yeah, he's a victim. I think that's one of the reasons why these kinds of movies can't have better endings. Because if you show much more, it's like, what's his relationship like with his daughter now? Like, yeah. does he get into legal trouble? Like, does what? Yeah. What do they do? Like, do the cops ever find out that Ivy killed? the mother like there's all these mm-hmm. things where it's just like what are you supposed to do like right after this what are you supposed to do you know oh no they're burying that body in the back garden and nobody's ever talking about it again ivy's getting buried that's i don't think so that's it yeah 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 yeah. absolutely so are those two that know about it it's so funny they don't even know her name exactly they don't even know her real name if if somebody came around looking for her and 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 said like oh we're looking you know for Susan, for yeah, it, they'd be like, we yeah. don't know who that is, and they wouldn't be lying yeah. because they wouldn't know who that was. Just sneak Sylvia back into hospital. Nobody saw anything. Like they, they don't show us the part where there's a whole trial because he's blamed for her murder. Just say that she was so distraught by the mother dying that she wanted to die the same way, so she also committed suicide. That's all they have. That to works. Say. She was obsessed. <laughs> yeah, just as long as they don't do any checks to see that she. Just recently had sex. Everyone fine. Next time we're going to do something lighter. Thank fuck. Um, we're going to be doing the Monster Squad from nineteen eighty seven. Okay, that's all we have time for. Um, if you'd like to follow the podcast at Drop the Pilot Pod, if you want to follow me, it's at ShiftyB. ShiftyBench.co.uk is the website. Contact at ShiftyBench.co.uk is uh, the email address. You can leave us a review or a five star, five stars on Good Pods or Spotify, and uh, you can now leave tips on Twitter. That's a thing. At uh, at Drop the Pilot Pod, leave us tips because that'd be good. Okay. Uh, and uh, I can keep the podcast running. <laughs> um, where can people follow you on the internet? Jen? I am at Pilot Inspectors on Twitter. Excellent. So thank you all for listening. We'll speak to you all next time. Bye. Bye.